Hello everybody. Welcome once again as we uh, continue on in our study of the New Testament. And um, we're, we're moving right along in our study. This is study number 206. And uh, uh, that's quite a few. Um, like there's a little under 50 now to finish the New Testament. So we should be done this time next year with the New Testament. Then we'll, we'll move right ahead into the Old Testament. 15 years after that, we should be ready for the New Testament again. And uh, so we have our next 20 years or so mapped out. And uh, it's all good. Wednesday night, little pasta, little Bible study. <laughs> what could be better? Singing vegetables. Other than that, nothing else. Um, Maybe in 20 years I might be able to do it by like holograph or hologram or whatever those things are called. Holograms? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll see. Um, I don't know. So we're into the book of Hebrews now. We're in chapter 6. Uh, we've spent our time getting here. Remember, the reason we do it like this, I've told you, context. It's so important to read the scripture in context. And um, it, 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 it helps you to understand what was, what was being said, what it means, how it relates to today. Remember that, that the, the letters were written, the, the New Testament letters were written usually in responses to situations that were going on, and they were, they were targeted at a group, um, and yet they were written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so they still apply to us today, but we want to make sure that we're, we're um, looking at them in the context that they were written to see how they were applied, and that we don't just take this piece from here, and that piece from there, and that piece from there, and come up with a theology that's not supported by the by what's, going hap what's happening in the scripture. So we've, we've done this study this way on purpose through the New Testament. You know, we've looked at the Gospels and, and we saw you know, the, the ministry of Jesus and we looked at the book of Acts so we could see what the early church was doing and how the missionary work started out of that and we, we, we then looked you know, primarily at Paul's letters and we spent a couple of years through because Paul wrote a big chunk of the New Testament on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We've, we've seen him working with the new churches. And, uh, and we've worked our way through up to now the, the letter to the Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, as I've said, we're not sure who the writer of Hebrews was. Some people think it was Paul, but um, I think more and more people, most scholars don't believe that to be the case. It could have been Paul, but it's written um, similar to Paul's style, but different in a lot of ways. So similar enough that they think it was probably one of Paul's companions, um, but, but different enough that they, they don't believe it was Paul. Anyway, it's... Uh, it's uh, anointed by the Spirit, and that's all that really matters. It was written um, to a group of um, Hebrew Christians, um, which was, you know, uh, how most, most of the early church, other than the work that Paul did, would have, would have been Jewish believers who'd come to Christ. Remember that they would have, uh, initially, when they were meeting, they, they still um, went um, to Jewish synagogues and stuff, even though they, they believed in Jesus the Messiah. And that probably continued for 50 or 60 years. It wasn't really until that century turned over that they were kind of excommunicated completely from the synagogues and uh, then were, were kind of on their own. But they, they, um, they, they would have been still in connection to the, the, the Hebrew Christians with um, uh, other Jewish um, uh, people of, uh, of Jewish origin and, and who worshiped that way. And yet they would have had their belief in the Messiah, uh, Jesus as Messiah and all that that means. And... Um, and yet there's tremendous persecution of uh, the new Christians and of uh, Jews, uh, even at that time. And, and in their persecution, um, not only by, by their countrymen, but by the Romans and everything, this, this, this group of Christians um, uh, early on is thinking about just chucking the whole thing. Um, and they just, they just and, and we've seen how 
the, the writer of the letter of Hebrews is reminding them, look, it's just like your ancestors. Uh, you know, you, you, you're, it, it's a rough spot, but, but giving up is not the way to go. You, you press in in the Lord. That's what you need to do. You just keep pressing on. And, and he's, we've looked at the story, at, you know, after the, the release uh, from captivity, uh, all the years of bondage that, that happened in the Old Testament, and they were heading to the promised land, you know, and all the things they'd seen, and all of a sudden they stopped trusting in God, and they didn't, they said, no, we're not going in, and so they, ne- they didn't get to go in. They never got to enter into the rest that God had promised them. And we've seen how the writer of Hebrews has said, look, don't stop like your ancestors did. Keep pressing in. That's, that's, that's where life is. Life is found in Jesus. You know that to be true. And so you just keep on pressing in and pressing on because that's where you're going to find life. And that's really what we've been, been looking through in this letter. And we've also, um, I, I've said to you that, that more than, than other letters, there's a tremendous amount of Old Testament scripture that's quoted here. Um, because it's written to um, people with a Jewish background who would have known the Old Testament inside and out. They would have been familiar with it. They would understand the, um, the things that the writer is bringing forward. Where when Paul was often writing to groups of Gentiles, um, he would quote scripture, but not as heavily as the writer of Hebrews is. Um, because it's, it's, this letter is targeted at a different group. We get to chapter 6. And chapter 6 is a, a kind of a, a, an interesting uh, chapter. It's caused a lot of debate throughout the years um, as to who he was writing to and what it means and does it mean, you know, that, that our salvation is up for grabs. And um, I really believe in the context of how it was written that the writer of Hebrews writes chapter 6 um, and it's a hypothetical that he's saying. And, and in effect, he's, he's telling them, you know, there's, there's absolutely no reason to leave and, and, and here's why. And he starts talking in Hebrews 6 about the foundational truths that, that they know that, that are going to keep them on course as long as they don't. See, they're reacting. Um, they're sort of panicking in their reaction. Anybody here ever made a bad decision because you've started to panic? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? You ever think, you know, um, I've said this many times. F- fear is the worst motivation for you to make decisions in your life other than m- maybe the, that initial burst of adrenaline that you get when something fearful's happened and you say, run. That's a pretty good decision. But um, when... when when we're fearful about something and it's building up on us and we're sort of panicked, those decisions are usually bad. And he's telling them, look, you, you guys don't need to make a bad decision here. And, and, and so you need to think about what true, what's really true. What do you know to be true? And, and, and then, then you settle down and then you start making decisions, you know, hopefully out of the, the love that you know is available to you in Christ. And then things get better. And so he's going to talk about foundational truths. We'll read about those in a minute. But these are the things that we can rely on in the scripture. Um, one of them is repentance from dead works. Um, when we come to Christ, we realize that our works had nothing to do with the salvation or the life that Jesus offers. And so we, we turn away from a works righteousness in the Christian life as well. It's not about our works. It's not about our performance. It's not about any of those things. That was a dead way of living. It didn't work. It doesn't work. People that push back into it don't find life. And, and so um, we, we understand that, that this thing isn't works-based. It's faith-based. It's grace-based. It is not works-based. Um, another foundational truth is having faith in God. Um, that trusting in God is the key to salvation and that the, the transaction in that process of saving faith is complete. That, that, um, that when we trust in, in God, he's faithful and, and we, can, we can trust him in, in our life now and forever. Um, 
there was, uh, he, he talks about the instruction about baptism and um, in the early church in particular there would have been a, um, a, 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 usually some, some um, instruction that would take place um, before baptism and, and there should have been a, they would have had a basic understanding of the Christian doctrine would have been in place. Um, he, uh, laying on of hands. Um, the leaders were appointed in the church with the laying on of hands and, and, and also this was the way that we often see in the Holy Spirit uh, in, the, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit coming upon people. So this would have been a foundation for them. And then the resurrection of the dead and, and eternal judgment. Um, th- these doctrines really sort of summarize the, the believer's hope. And, and what the writer is, is saying is, is look, um, when Jesus has come into your life, um, all these things that used to be unsettled are now settled. And, and we don't need to um, worry uh, uh, about these concepts in our relationship with the Lord. Because we know that he loves us and because of what he's done for us, we know that we're saved in him and we know that life is found in him. And those things should be settled. Um, that shouldn't be up for grabs any longer. Um, they should be settled. Those are foundational truths. When, when you've come to Jesus, when you've, when, you've, um, when you've realized your desperate need for him, when you've confessed your sin to him and asked him to forgive you and you've invited Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior and now you're walking with him um, you know, because you know that's where life is found, um, you, you don't need to be um, you know, panicked any longer or, or FIFA or wasn't enough or what do I need to add to that? Do I need to add something to that? It's, that's what a lot of people get to. Um, they think, well, that's such a good deal. Now I need to, I need to add to it. You know, it's, I can't just wrestle, settle in that, that Jesus has saved me. Now what do I need to do to add to that? And you can't add to it. That was freely given. Um, in response to it, we can, we can ask what, you know, how he would like us to live, but that doesn't increase or um, extend or, or, or make our salvation better. It was freely given in Christ. And, and that whole understanding should settle us. We're broken. We're a mess. We will continue to make messes. And yet, because of what Jesus did at the cross, um, taking and paying for our sin and then, and then dying and then defeating death and rising again, our hope is in him. We can trust in him and we know that he's got us. And, and when that is true inside you, it, it impacts the way that you go through life. And, and that's what we're getting at. And, uh, and in this chapter, what he's kind of getting at is this hypothetical case to, to demonstrate really how, how foolish it is to panic and start you know, thinking about making really bad decisions. And he's saying, look, look don't go back uh, to anything as if there's no foundation to, to settle on, to rest on, because there is. Um, the, the basic issues of death and faith and resurrection have been settled by the finished work of Christ on the cross. And in the resurrection, they're finished, they're settled, they're done, he's, he's taking care of it. All you need to do is believe in it, accept it, you're in, you're done, that's it. We, we press on now in him. And that's sort of the, the tenor of the letter. So let, let's read the letter, Hebrews 6, 1 through 20, and uh, we'll make a couple points on the other side. Verse 1, Hebrews 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And God permitting, we, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance. Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain 
often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is uh, farmed receives the blessings of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless as it in, and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligent to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who uh, through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promise, promised. Men swear by someone greater themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, some interesting things pop up again. Remember last week, Melchizedek entered into the discussion in Hebrews 5, and he'll be back in it again in Hebrews 7. We'll talk about that next time. But I gave you his background, and you know, he was a king of Salem, which was Jerusalem before it was, you know, Salem before it was Jerusalem. It's the king there, and, and that, that he existed before, um, you know, God and Abraham had their, their thing. He was already there, so he didn't come out of the line of Aaron. Um, which is where the high priest should come, and it was just a picture of, um, uh, of, uh, of Jesus becoming the high priest uh, in the process, and so that's why he's in the mix. But uh, there's, some, there's some pretty interesting stuff uh, in, the verse, in those chapters, so let's just dig in for a few minutes. On those first six verses, even though they sound a little confusing, if you understand where I was coming from in the intro about the foundational truths, um, what the writer is saying is, li listen, to continue to develop in our walk with Christ, we have to move beyond the basic teachings. We're not to forget them. They're, they're the foundation for everything else. But we, we, we need to keep pressing in and desiring more and, 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 and uh, learning more of the Lord. That should be a, um, a given in the life of a believer. We've talked about this on the last couple of weekends too. Um, a spiritual appetite. That, that um, in you, uh, as, as the followers of, of, of Jesus, um, filled by the Holy Spirit, what should be in you is a spiritual appetite that's always wanting more of the Lord. Um, and, and if you don't have that, you need to ask God to give it to you again. Um, that, that we talked about that in the Beatitude. It's a hungering and thirsting um, for, for righteousness that he satisfies. Um, and, and, and then as he satisfies it, it should increase your hunger and thirst. You want more. And he satisfies it and then you want more. It's a constant pressing in to the Lord. And that's what he wants for his kids is a desire to continue to grow and to learn and to press in. And that this is accomplished really because um, uh, it, it's accomplished by living this thing out. Do you know that? Um, the way that you really learn and extend the basics 
of, of what, what, what we know is as we live them out in a practical way in the world around us and as we embrace the mission and the purpose we're called to and as we start trying to live like he showed us. That's how, that's how we begin to learn. And, and then as we start to live it out and, and then we start helping other people live it out, it sort of, it, it gets stronger in us and, and this is where those things start to, to take hold in us. We, we're not only um, talking about them and, and thinking about them, we're, we're are doing our best to get out and do them in the world. And that's when they really take hold and begin to sort of um, take, take root and, and take off in your life. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to talk about the fruit of the Spirit right? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. It's a whole other thing to actually have it developed in your life, right? And we, we laugh about that sometimes. It's like asking God for patience. It's, oops. <laughs> yeah. And then most people, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Just develop that one on, you know, on a slow time schedule because we're not very patient. And then, um, um, you know, and, and, you know, it takes the context of living it out. Like it takes relationships. Why, you know, the church uh, is here. We, um, um, it's very easy to be patient, usually, if you're by yourself. Um, it's when you start putting other people in the mix that patience is tougher, right? Because, you know, they're not on your time schedule, and, they're, and so all these things. And, and really, that's true of all the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Those things are easier sort of in yourself, but it's, it's in the context of relationship that they, they flourish. Well, the whole Christian life is like that. It, it takes off as we, as we begin to press into it and, and sort of live it out as we, as we put into pra- practice what, what these foundations mean in our life and that when we're settled in those things, we will approach life much differently. See, when you're not anxious and panicked and afraid, um, you, you look at life differently. When you realize that it's all God's anyway, you can, you can really look at life differently. It will make an impact. Um, you know, you've heard me say it, and it's not my saying, but I like saying it. it came, John Wimber said it. We're just change in God's pocket. He can spend us however he wants. And, and there's something about that that's really comforting. I'll tell you a story, because uh, I, I just thought of one. And um, today's Wednesday. Monday morning, I woke up and, and cut my grass, my lawn at, at the house. And uh, it's not one of my favorite things. It's just not. I don't like doing it. But it has to be done because it, it, it can only go so long before my wife just quits ignoring it. Because <laughs> I can let it grow. Look, don't those look nice? Now they look like something. That grass looks like bush. You know, I, something neat there. <laughs> Things can hide in it now. Isn't that cool? Um, no, apparently not. So I, I, I break out the lawnmower. And uh, um, I, I don't care for the lawnmower. And I put gas in it. And I, I boom, fire it up. And it, it started. And uh, <laughs> but it, it was it wasn't running well. It was running very unwell. Um, it was sputtering and puttering and and then I'd go like two feet and it would like almost die and I'd have to stop. So so now if you're doing something you don't really care for with equipment that's not running well, anybody ever get frustrated by something like that? So I'm so. The job that should take know, an hour maybe pushing the lawnmower around was, was now going to take longer. And, uh, and, I, and so, so I'd go four or five feet and it would start to sputter and putter and just stop. 
and sit there. And then I, I, I figured out that I, you know, I'd have to start shaking it. You know, it's got the handle, right? The long handle and the lawnmower. So if I would like push it all the way down and make the lawnmower go like on an angle like this, that would help the fuel sometimes and start running and I'd start running along with it. Or when that didn't work, I would shake it violently from side to side like this while it was running. Because it was, and it would die sometimes and I'd pull on it and, and uh, I was right next to the canal. At one point I thought, you know, I, I would just, I should just run this baby into the canal. And then, because <laughs> I felt like tossing it. You ever, I felt like really, I did for a moment. I think I'll just toss this in the canal. And then I thought to myself, if I toss this in the canal, I'm going to get arrested or something for, for tossing this gasoline motor into the canal on purpose. So I thought, well, that wouldn't be good. And then, and then so I, I'm like 10 minutes in, I'm really doing okay. And, and, and then suddenly I have this, you know what? This is okay. If it's going to take a little longer, it's working in six foot chunks. I'm just going to go like this and I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm, and I actually had that thought, I'm just changing God's pocket. If he, this is how he wants me to spend my morning, oh yeah, good, let's make it better. And so I just started talking to him and cutting the grass in six foot chunks. And, uh, and, and, and I, was, I felt really good. At one point, the, the thing that sits on the spark plug, it decided to break too. And uh, so I had two issues going on. I think bad gas, Anna. And so fortunately I had duct tape. You know duct tape is a wonderful thing? We have an affinity group about duct tape now somewhere. Really, they make stuff that is supposed to be found. Anyway, I went and got my duct tape, and I duct taped that thing onto the spark plug and, uh, and, and fired it up, and then it melted off once, so I, and the, but I got it running. And, uh, <laughs> but here's the whole point. It wasn't so bad because as some, I just didn't, because I could feel, and there was a time in my life when that, that would have gone in the canal. I would have just... Okay, uh, honey, the lawnmower's broke. <laughs> we'll have to get another one <laughs> next week. Where is it? I don't know. <laughs> I seem to have lost it somehow. Um, but it was okay. But see, I, I'm saying that because that's that's um, that's progress. You know, it takes time sometimes to develop this thing, but that's really progress. That's okay. Yeah, whatever. I'm, it's it's my whole life is God's anyway. What, whatever. I'd just hang out with you and cut this grass. And then it was okay. I'd have moments where it ran okay, and then it would start to sputter again, you know. Like, it's all good. So, uh, but I say it's, it's in those things I think that we learn stuff. It's when it, when it, when it, when it really comes home. Like, what, what really does matter in life? What's really important in life? What, what's, the, what's the heart of it all? Where's life really found? What, what am I, you know, what's it all about? It, those, those are the things that take us beyond the foundation into experiencing other things in God that we were called to. And it happens in the realities of living this thing out and then, and then just doing it the best that we can. So, um, you know, it's, it's important. We spend time in him and in the word and, and we continue to press in because that's where we're going to find life. I had this quote I was sharing with the younger guys in, in our little meeting today. It was, it was great. I, I want to think of it now. Henry Nowen asked Mother Teresa for some spiritual direction. So two um, well-known, you know, recent Christians in the faith and, and her advice to him spiritually she said here's what all you need to do just spend at least an hour a day adoring your Lord and then don't do anything that you know is wrong and you'll be fine and I was like that's genius isn't that great just hang out with Jesus for at least an hour a day and then if it's wrong don't do it how, how cool is that <laughs> now don't you think that would get you out of a lot of trouble it's like, it's like rocket science Hang out with Jesus. If it's wrong, don't do it. Brilliant. Anyway.
Think about that for a while. Hebrews 6, 7, and 8 then. There's an analogy that comes from that that's about farming um, that's used to make a, a simple point. Um, when the seed of the gospel is planted in your heart, it's given care by, by God, it will produce fruit. Um, you've, been, you've been watered by the grace and the mercy of God and by the truth of his word, and, and we should live lives that are fruitful for the kingdom of God. When, when they get into agricultural sort of um, um, illustrations, that, that's, it's all about being fruitful, that, that our lives are to produce fruit. That's why we're, you know, what we're supposed to be doing is that we should see fruit coming from our lives. Um, in our own lives, in our spiritual walk, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and an impact on the, on the people around us should happen from, from this whole concept. And so that's where it goes. That's what life looks like. And remember, he's commending them for, hey, guys, God's seen what you've done. Don't give up now. You've, you've, you've got fruit started. Keep it going. Press in. And then in verses 10 through 17, um, it, it, it really becomes a whole thing about encouragement. Um, we're encouraged to keep pressing in and pressing on in the Lord. Um, he'll, he'll tell us later on, he's making a, the, sort of a, the start of that here, that we're to run the race marked out for us. Um, be passionate in your pursuit of God. Uh, this life on a broken planet in a fallen world may be difficult at times, but we have a hope in him that allows us to keep moving forward in him. We have a hope in him. And so even though sometimes it's difficult, even though sometimes we have to wait, it's always worth it to, to keep moving in to him. And, and then he, they use Abraham as a, as a, a picture there that he had to wait. Um, he waited from the time of the promise for a son. He waited 25 years until it actually took place. 25 years is a long wait. Um, and, you know, let me tell you, one of the things I love about the scriptures is Abraham didn't, it said he waited patiently. He wasn't all that patient. At some point, you know, he, he, he made a mess um, <laughs> instead of waiting. And, and it, that didn't even get, I, I like that it didn't even make it in this particular picture. You know, but he quit waiting and, and fathered a different child. And, and uh, th there we have, a, you know, Ishmael and a whole nother um, situation for not coming but but he, he started to wait and he I'm, I'm glad that you know uh, one of the things you know I like about I get, in a couple of weeks I got a sermon we're going to look at the genealogy in Matthew um, and don't be don't be bored it's really good but of the first six um, uh, that's all we're going to look at every one of them has just a messed up past and they're all in the line of Jesus Every one of them. There's a there's a there's there's liars and cheaters and, and prostitutes and and you name it. All in that first six, uh, and I'm like, that's fascinating. That those that's the that's how Jesus got. To, it's fascinating that that this stuff takes place, um, and that God is like that because um, we're a mess, and and so it would be it would be much harder for me to read this book and understand it if none of these people were a mess. Right? If the, if the example they set for us was perfection, other than Jesus, who's our model, but everybody else is a, is a mess and has really blown it terribly along the course of their lives. Um, and, and, and so it sounds weird when I say I'm really thankful for that. <laughs> but the reason I'm thankful is I, I got my own brokenness. And, yet when, and then when they're recorded, so, so the whole book, all that mess is in there. And when you, but you get to Hebrews 11, when it's the picture of the Spirit looking back at them, it just talks about how cool they were. Isn't that neat? I love that stuff. Anyway, that's coming. So, um, so they, they just waited, and, uh, uh, and God is faithful. God, God was the one who was faithful, and he always is. And so we, we put our hope, our faith, our trust in him. Uh, Hebrews 6.18, I, I, um, the, the two unchangeable things mentioned in this verse, in case you don't know what those things are, because they're kind of alluded to from previous verses, God's promise and God's oath. God's promise and God's oath are the two unchangeable things by which he will never lie. Um, 
Um, so his promise and his oath. God's promises are yes and amen. Second Corinthians 1.20, Paul said it this way, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So, so um, God, he doesn't lie, and, and two unchangeable things are his promise and his oath. And, and that picks up then in these last two verses, 19 and 20, where um, it talks about um, the curtain. And, and there, there was, in Old Testament times, a curtain that was used to separate the holy place and the most holy place. And the most holy place was God's inner sanctuary. And that curtain kept people from entering into the most holy place. It kept them from even peeking into it. Um, they, 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 they couldn't have access. Um, the high priest himself could go in to the most holy place once a year to stand in God's presence and atone for the sins of the people once a year. That's what he did. But, but the writer says, but now Christ is in God's presence at all times and we have access in Christ. We talk about that all the time, how amazing that is. We have, ac- we have, we have access to the literal presence of the living God in Christ 24-7 because of what Jesus has done. We have access to God in, in a way that, that you know, b- before then was, was impossible, unprecedented. They couldn't, they couldn't even imagine it. Um, but because God sees us in Christ, and, and those of us that are in Christ, we now have access into the most holy place. And our access is guaranteed by God's oath, so that we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. That's good news, guys. That's what, where it all works out, that in Christ now, we have access to the literal presence of God, the most holy place, because of what Jesus has done. With that firm foundation, we, we, we never have to worry about but drifting off. There's nothing better out there. And, and, and that you, you, once you know this truth, you're going to find life. And then it's, it will develop in you as you press in. And you will live lives that produce fruit in the kingdom of God. And that's the basics from Hebrews chapter 6. So we'll pick up chapter 7 next week. If you're watching by video, thank you so much. If you're on television watching, thank you for doing that too. We appreciate you. And we know how valuable your time is. Come check us out sometime here in Big Pine if you're up this way or just tune in again next week for the next message.